Well, we're continuing our series entitled Built to Last. And on this Father's Day, we want to just point out, fathers, you're the family foreman of this whole project. And we have something for all of our dads today. So if you're a father, you're a dad, would you stand balcony and main floor? We have a gift for you. In this box right here, we have a barbecue grill we want to give you, okay? <laughs> Not really, okay. Uh, we, have, we have something we want to give you. We want you to take it. Inside there is, is actually a little universal tool. It, it actually has the uh, Westover logo on it. It's a tape measure. It has a level on it. And this actually relates to the message today. This, this gift on Father's Day is to remind us that we as, as fathers, we, we need to strive to have a built to last. Now some of us, we're, we're kind of doing this. And I think the Lord is going to enlarge what we can do and our opportunities for our family. And there will be a way that God will speak to us today. Many of us, many of us, you're in church today. Many of you were not raised in church. Your father was not the example. But you're here today and you're striving to be that for your family. And I commend you. I want to just say, way to go, guys. God bless you uh, for your built-to-last effort in your home. If you've received your gift, go ahead and sit down, and you're welcome to take your seat. We're going to go through the message. I'm going to close the service with a prayer for our fathers. If you haven't received, just can remain standing, and we will get one to you. Being a dad, built to last, we're kind of the, kind of the foreman of this project. Uh, someone said, if you have a child, you're a parent. If you have two, you're a referee. How many would agree with that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's challenging. Um, Jerry Seinfeld said having a two-year-old is like having a, a blender with no top on it. <laughs> does, that, does, does that not describe the home of a, of a two-year-old? Parenting is a challenge. It's a joy, but certainly it is a challenge. When I grew up, there were what, what I'm going to call some dadisms. My dad... He, he, he would give this sage advice, whether you smashed your finger or you got your feelings hurt or he was reprimanding you for something, kind of it was this, uh, walk it off, blow it off, or run cold water over it. That would just fix and cure everything. Yeah. Uh, did, you, did you get dadisms when you were growing up? Were there things that, you, you, that your dad said? And when you hear it, you say, that's my dad. Yeah. Uh, things like, because I said so. Did your dad say things like that? Or, or how about this? If you want to be treated like an adult, then you need to... See, all of our dads went to the same seminar. <laughs> you need to act like an adult. Did your dad ever ask you questions like this? Were you born in a barn? You think I made of money? Did your dad ever talk to you and what? Yeah, just dadisms. All of us probably have some. And now as parents, we're trying to raise our kids today, and, and things today are, are somewhat challenging. Now in this series, and we're going to talk today about being parents, and particularly I want to talk to dads, we have used the built-to-last analogy. This wall behind me, we have been building this wall for several weeks. Let's go back and just kind of remind ourselves. We said in a built-to-last family, you have to have good materials and good workmanship. That's true of a home, but that's also true of a family. You've got to have the right materials, and you have to have good workmanship. 
Then we begin to talk about all the things. You've got to be insulated well. We talk one message and what we do to keep family warmth and, and, and keep the, the, the family uh, positive and, and growing. We talked a few weeks ago that men and women are wired different. Remember that message? Then we talked about there's stuff that makes the home important and makes it function but you don't always see it behind the wall. There's stuff inside them. There's stuff you do that just makes the family work, makes it built to last. And sometimes it's not always obvious. It's some of those small things, the fruit of the Holy Spirit we talked about. Well, this weekend for parenting, I'm going to talk about the exterior and the interior. The exterior of a house is more durable. It's stronger. It's, it's to hold out the weather. It's to hold out the storms and all that. It's just, it's just got solid material. There's, there's a reason. It's, it's so rigid and the reason it's so strong. But inside the house, it's built with a different material. We paint it because we want to decorate it. We want it warm. We want it cozy. We want it to feel good. And that relates to family exterior and interior the exterior is structure every family parents every family needs structure just as the outside of the house is strong rigid and can endure the weather there are there are structures we bring its rules and regulations and boundaries there's these things structure your home has got to have structure to it a, a, a home has got to have guidelines to it. A home has got to have boundaries. And they say, we don't move on these. We don't change these. We have, we have these values. We have these rules. We have these, we have these things that are just it's going to hold the family intact. That's what we call structure. Now on the inside, to make it feel warm and make it feel comfortable and cozy and inviting and, and reinforcing and safe, there is nurturing. And relationships experts have told us that we need both structure and nurturing in order to have a built-to-last family, in order to have a successful family. Now, we need to have a balance of each. Moreover, if you have just, a, you have high structure, all rules and regulations, and that's the emphasis of the home, and that's the emphasis of the family, but you have low nurturing, high structure, lots of rules, don't do, do this, do your homework, come home on time, put things where they belong, don't leave things out, a lot of structure, but low nurturing, they say it produces a passive child. And the passive child will grow up to become the adult that will always follow the rules. They'll always they'll drive the speed limit. They, they'll file their income tax on time. They will go by company policy. They, 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 they will always go by the rules. They will always abide by the rules. But they tend to not be creative. Why? Because they were missing something. The nurturing in. Their home life was all structure. If you're a person that you just say, it's just the way it is. Well, why is it? Well, it's just the right thing to do and everything is a rule and a regulation and everything is just has to be in order all the time. Perhaps you were raised in a home that was high structure and low nurturing. And then there's the opposite where there is high nurturing, always affirming a lot of family things, a lot of just good, warm, affirming relationship things, but there was low structure. 
Oh, yeah, you knew you were loved. You knew things in the home were great, but there were not a lot of rules and regulations. Oh, we came together and you could do whatever you want. There was not a curfew. You could stay up half the night, watch TV, do Xbox. It didn't matter just as long as you do this. I, I'm not going to, don't worry about homework. Just do the best you can. Just do whatever you want to do. Just, it was all, it was all nurturing. It was all just affirming and it felt good and etc. But there was low structure. The parent that no matter what happened at school, I know you were done wrong by the teacher. I know you don't have to follow that rule. It's the parent that says every rule and regulation and policy at school, you don't have to do that. And they were always on the relationship side. My son and my daughter, my they're the best. You don't have to do that. You just need to understand them. You had high, nurturing, low structure. Inevitably, they says it produces an irresponsible child, and sometimes a rebellious child. Why? Because it's all about how they feel in the moment. Whatever they feel in the moment is right. Whatever they experience in the moment, that's the thing that is affirmed. And then they grow up and lie. This is the adult that cannot keep a job. I mean, they go to get a job and say, you mean you want me here at 8 o'clock every day? Every day? When they say five on two off i thought it was i thought it was two days we work and i got five days off you you mean it's the other way around i have to work five days to get two days off that every time a rule or regulation they push back on it it doesn't matter company policy it doesn't they're always testing the boundaries and they do not have they don't have a respect for boundaries and rules and regulations like inevitably high nurturing home low structure the best is to have high nurturing and high structure that is the safest best that's where you get the cooperative child that's the well-balanced that's the healthy person and then of course there's the last which is low structure and low nurturing and people that are raised in a low structure no rules or regulation Low nurturing. There was not a lot of warmth and love and support in the family. Society builds a place to keep them, and it's called prison. And the highest concentration in prison today are people, individuals that were raised in a low structure, low nurturing context. We need both in order to raise successful, built-to-last families. And I want to share that with you today. I want to... I want to identify from Psalm 127, and it's on our app, or you can turn in your Bible, and I'm going to unpack three things to have a built-to-last family that's important for all parents uh, here today, for all of us to learn from. So join me in Psalm 127. We're going to look at some verses, and I'm going to give you three thoughts on how to have a built-to-last family. Number one, and that is guard the family. Guard the family. Verse number one. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in vain. The builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Now the Bible does not say you don't build. The Bible does not say you don't guard. The Bible says if you try to do it without the Lord... You're going to build and guard in vain. It's the importance of having a Christ-centered home and be a Christ-centered parent. And 
Dads, we can't rescue our kids from everything. We can't, you know, there's going to be a time the child's whining and you can't fix that. There's a time that, that, that they're going to fail at a class and they're not going to do good at a subject. And you can't make them good at algebra or good at science. That's just how they're wired. There's going to be a moment when our kids are going to be bullied by somebody and we can't be there to keep them all the time. And here's what the Scripture is saying. You need to guard your family. Do your best. Build it. Yes, guard it. But if you do it without the Lord, you're doing it in vain because there will always be somebody to undo what you're trying to do. And this first area is guard your family, but do it with God's help. Have a Christ-centered family. Have God in the central focus of the family. Have you ever read one of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Have you ever heard of the Chicken Soup for the Soul books? You know what I discovered? I discovered last week that there are over 250 Chicken Soup for the Soul books. Different subject matter. Over 250. I, I wrote down here just a few. These are just a few. Not, not, not 250 of them. Let me, but let me just share with you a few of the chicken soup for the soul, just for women. For example, there's chicken soup for the expectant mother soul. There's chicken soup for the best mom ever soul. There's chicken soup for the multitasking mom. There's chicken soup for the mom of preschool. chicken soup for mom and daughter. chicken soup for mother and son. chicken soup for the mother like daughter. There's chicken soup for the magic mothers and daughters. There's chicken soup for the soul in menopause. There's chicken soup for sister. There's chicken soup for shoppers. There's chicken soup for things to mom soul. There's chicken soup for woman to woman soul. There's chicken soup for life lessons for women. There's chicken soup for dieters, dental, dog. Lovers, there's chicken sufra, but when it comes to dad, there's only one book for chicken soup for the dad's soul. Here it is, guys. There's not enough chicken soup to go around, there's not enough chicken soup to we're gonna need God, we're gonna need God in our life if we're trying to do it without God, if we're trying to build the house. Without God's help, we're laboring in vain. If we're trying to guard and watch over the family without God involved, we're doing it in vain. And I want to tell you, dads, if you will do it God's way, can I tell you, God will just give you a knower. God will give you an understanding. You will just have stealth radar technology. You will just know things. You will do things. God will guide your heart. And God will help you. And God will strengthen you in guarding your family. How do you guard your family? Daz, here it is. Be consistent and be persistent. Not either or, consistent. You have rules and regulate. Be consistent and sometimes you need to be persistent. Sometimes you're going to have your son or your daughter kind of push back. There may be a season in adolescence they'll challenge you. Be persistent. You just don't give in. Don't acquiesce. Oh, moms and dads, don't let kids make the spiritual decisions in the house. You need to be persistent. What do you do? What do you do when you say you're going to church and your kids say, but I don't want to? Pick out one of those dadisms. You're going to go because I said so. You're going to have to be persistent. And you need to have it in the area of rules and regulations. Yes, there needs to be a curfew. It sounds old school. Your kids will tell you, that there's no one on planet earth that's given a curfew anymore. 
They will tell you no one does. They will tell you all their friends are doing it. Everybody has one. Everybody goes. Everybody's a part. They will just tell you anything they want just to get their way. But you need to have rules in the home. Not only rules, you need to have boundaries. Boundaries. Moms and dads, let me encourage you. There's an area you need to have a discussion in boundaries, and that is cell phones. Now, I'm going to leave it up to you on what age. They think today that by about three months, everybody ought to have a cell phone, okay? I mean, ah, I, what if the kids need to talk to me? Can I tell you what? They're at school. If they need to talk to you, they can go to the office if it's that important. We think you have to have a cell phone all the time. And here's what I want to advise you. You make the decision of when the cell phone should come in. But concerning cell phones, I've passed enough and worked with enough families. Once you give it, it's hard to take it back. And you need to set boundaries in that. You need to know what your kids are doing, who they're talking with, who they're networking, because a cell phone gives them access to the world now. You with me? And there's a reason they call the Internet the web. There's a reason we call it the web. Because they can get entangled in, in associations and friendships and connections that are not healthy. healthy. Set boundaries. Dating age. Dating age. You determine when it is. But moms and dads don't have the discussion and the debate in front of your kids. Oh, don't do that. Don't get in front of your kids and say, well, I think it's 16. No, I think it's 12. Don't have that discussion in front of them. Because whatever age they hear, they want that in about a year earlier. So don't have that discussion in front of them. Set boundaries. Moms and dads, we have the responsibility to do that. What are we doing? We're guarding our family. Make sure there are values. Make sure there are certain things that are not said and done in language and shows and entertainment. You need to know who your kids hang out with. You need to know who your teenagers hang out with. And I will say this. I've said it before this year. I'll say it now. I'll say it next year. You're going to hear me say this over and over again. Parents, hear the heart of a pastor. Hear my heart. Your kids need to be in kids' ministry. Your kids need to be in middle school ministry. Your kids need to be in high school ministry. The most dangerous thing is for a teenager or a or youth to get into middle school and they have no best friends in church. And if, if they're not in kids' ministry making friends with kids in church and going to birthday parties and being a part and sitting and singing and being a part and going to camp with them and they get into middle school, can I tell you what? Middle school and high school, they're not going to want to go to church. Why? Because they don't have any friends in church. And the most dangerous thing you can do for your kids is let them get into middle school and not have best friends in the church. Oh, guard your family. Guard your family. Number two, enjoy your family. This is verse 2 and 3. It says, In vain you rise up early and you stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. The treadmill of just getting more and earning more and buying more and having more and just putting in 66, 77 hours a week. Verse 3, Children are a heritage from the Lord offspring are a reward for, for him. 
You know what God says? Most important thing, it's not what you own. It's your kids. That's what the Scripture says. The Bible says the, the thing that God wants from you, what He looks for us is for not us to show Him all the awards and certificates we've got in life, all the properties we've owned, nothing wrong with that, but if it comes at the expense of your family, God says you missed the mark. Your children are His reward. And I just want to admonish us. I just want to encourage us. Dads, enjoy. Enjoy your family. Enjoy them. Don't get so caught in being a provider in disguise. We do that. We want to provide. We want to do better. And we want to get them the latest. And we buy them technology and we sacrifice for it. And we don't do this and we don't do that. And we don't have time. We put in long hours. Why? To get them the new technology that 24 months later it's outmoded. And then we have to buy the new one. And you just get caught in that cycle. Learn to enjoy your family. And with this, I want to just, I want to bring two thoughts real briefly to all of our dads on this. One dad is laugh more and laugh louder. Let your kids hear you laugh. Don't be Mr. Mean. Don't be Mr. Stern. Don't be Mr. Boss. Don't be Mr. Rule and Regulation. Oh, yes, you need to have structure, but you need nurturing too. Make sure the home is a fun place to be. Laugh loud and laugh often. Don't always use every moment in which something quirky was done or crazy was done in the house to grab it and give a lecture on how they could and they need to be more responsible. Sometimes we just need to laugh at life. Let your kids hear you laugh. When you're driving them somewhere, put a rule in the, in the car. They have to pull the white wires out and they have to talk and laugh. Just, just, just look at life. I remember when our girls were, were younger. We used to play games in the car. We used to play a game we called flags that you would get this side and I would get that side of the car and we would count flags and whoever got to 51 or whoever got to 101 would win. If it was a longer drive, what did they win? Nothing. They just were the winner. And then we, we just had fun in the car. Create games. Create fun times. Dads, laugh with your kids. And number two, in having fun, occasionally you need to splurge. Oh, I know, you balance and the budget and you, you, you live by a budget and you, you just, you're, you're frugal in areas and you don't want to waste and you want to teach them responsible. I get that, I get that, do that, do that. But occasionally, you just need to splurge. Occasionally, you just need to say, banana splits for everybody. <laughs> Sometimes you just need to do that. Sometimes you need to just, just do and have fun. I remember we took a vacation years ago. The girls were in elementary, and Denise and I wanted to take them to the Grand Canyon, and we drove. We couldn't afford plane tickets. I mean, we loaded up. When the, that was in the minivan era, and we had a minivan. We loaded them up. We drove from here all the way to Arizona, and we took them to the Grand Canyon. And can I tell you, they were not nearly as impressed as we were hoping. That, okay, Dad, it's big. Now, what else is there? There's not a roller coaster here. There's not something to do. I mean, we were just thinking they would be awestruck on the Grand Canyon. In about 10 minutes, they saw all the big hole they wanted to see out there, and they were ready for something else. And Denise and I made that drive, and we were like, ah, oh, 
we did this for an experience. So we're driving out, and on the outside of the park of the Grand Canyon, I saw a sign. You can fly over the Grand Canyon, the little plane. I'm not flying. They have a pilot, and they could fly you over it. And I said, I told him, let's just start. We can't afford that. No, we we don't have the money. Let's just see how much it costs. And at that time, it was about $75 a person. And that time, we didn't have the money. And when Denise and I kind of got eye contact for a moment, you said, you know what? Mr. MasterCard is just going to have to help us out today. (laughs) We're just going to splurge, and we're going to do this. We loaded the kids, and there were two or three other people that got in the plane that they had did they take about six or eight people up at a time? And we were going up, oh, and we're flying, I mean, we're going all over the Grand, we're, we're having the Grand Canyon experience. The girls had their noses pressed against the window and their hands right there. Yeah. And Denise, Denise has motion sickness. And the plane is doing this. And I turn over and she, I'm looking at her, she has a sack and she's hollering at Earl. She said, Earl! 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 She keeps hollering at Earl in this, in this sack. And I had one of those big, long video. You remember those big, long video cameras that were about that? Big? No. Okay. Okay, Denise is coming. Come on, baby. Bring it up. Come on. I am giving commentary to this at the same time. And I tell you, she's, I'm going to get you. And then also, Earl, Earl. I can tell you what color it was. I got the color on video. Can I tell you, we laugh about that to this day. It is a family joke. We get together. We couldn't afford it. We just, we said, you know what? We're going to splurge because we wanted to have fun. I can remember a time Denise was going away for a the night she was going to Houston with some of the ladies for a women's ministry event. She's spending the night over there with the ladies. So she left me home with the kids. The kids are in elementary school, early elementary school. And she's giving me the rule. Well, you need to do this and you need to pick up and you need to do this and here's with this and da-da-da-da-da. <laughs> what do you mean? I have this. I'm the dad. I've got this. So she went on. So I picked the kids up from school. I said to the kids, what do you want for supper? They said, Twinkies. Way to go. That's what we're doing. I went down to the store and I bought the biggest box of Twinkies and a three-liter thing of soda. And Twinkies and soda was what we had for supper. Nothing else. No vegetables, no meat. We had Twinkies. We just ate all of them we wanted. And here's what I did. I'd go, whatever you do. Girls, whatever you do, don't tell your mom. <laughs> do you know the first thing they did when her mom, I was busted and I got a lecture for that. But today, as adults, we laugh about it. Ever so often, when supper time, so what do you want? One of the girls will say, Twinkies. We go back, we retell this. We have a hilarious time. What am I saying? Enjoy your family. It's in vain to just get up every day and put in 80-hour weeks, 67-hour weeks, and just make a living and you don't have time to laugh. Don't send them to a theme park. Take them to a theme park. Go with them. Go with them. Have fun with your family. And number three and last, and that is you need to guide your family. 
guard them, enjoy them, and the Scripture says to, to guide your family. It's in verse number 4 of this chapter. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior. I like that. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Moms and dads, be hands-on. Like arrows in the hand, be hands-on. And an arrow, if you know anything about archery, it only goes where you aim it. Aim your kids. Direct them. Direct them. And if you've got children at different stages, there's a different parenting for elementary than there is for young adult. I get it. If you've got an infant, you need energy. Whoever said they slept like a baby doesn't have babies. Can I tell you? If they're infants, you need energy. If they're toddlers, and toddlers, you just need endurance. When they get into elementary, you need wisdom. Yeah. When they become teenagers, you need discernment. When they become young adults, you need assurance. You need to have the assurance, I've done what was right in God. I followed you and right now they're not they're not following through and I don't see all the fruit of, of our of our teaching and our values, but you need assurance at that moment. Movies are PG, PG thirteen. PG means what? Parental guidance. It's not up to thirteen or fourteen. From birth till they leave your home. They need parental guidance. They need structure and nurturing. Guide them. Let your heart guide them. And just before I pray, I'd like to just for a moment, I'd like to have a heart-to-heart pastoral moment with all of our dads. Dads, I want to talk to you. Dads, you can be and God intends for you to be the spiritual leader in the home, in the family. There's so much potential. Your voice is so important. For you to wake the kids up in the morning and say, we're going to church. Your voice to do that. For your voice to be heard praying over the mail. There's nothing wrong with the kids praying occasionally, but to hear you pray over them, over the mail. Before you go on a vacation, for you to say, we're going to pray and ask God's blessing, and you to pray, your voice to be heard in the vehicle before you pull out of the driveway. Dad's you can be. Many of you were not raised in church. Your father was, didn't take you to church. Your father wasn't the spiritual example. But you're in the house of the Lord today and you're desiring to follow God and serve the Lord. And I commend you and I ask you to give God the best. If you will partner with God, He and you, He and you will guard the family. Yes. That's for just a moment, let me point out. The school year lasts 180 days. 180 days your children are to be in school. They go to school seven, seven and a half hours a day, learning to advance and get knowledge so they can get life skills to have a successful life. There are 52 weeks a year, every year, 52 weeks. Dads, if you bring your children to church Every week, 52 weeks a year, you're never late to church. You don't leave early. You're here 52 weeks a year. You never miss one Sunday in a year. Every week, 
you have your children in church the entire time, your children will spend equivalent in church to two weeks in public school. If you bring them and never miss, what does that mean? That means the average child in a Christian home today will spend more time in public school in one week than they will in church in one year. If you come just half the time, your children are in school more in one week than they are in church an entire year. So when your kids say, do we have to go to church all the time? Absolutely. And I'm here in behalf of the Lord. And I covered every, every moment, every minute of your kids to be in church and to be learning and letting us speak into their life the things of God. Dad, I want all 52 weeks. And if you can bring them Wednesday night, we double our impact in their life to help you to raise them, to guard them, and to guide them. Dad, I want every moment for the Lord. And I want to say to you, Dad, if you'll make the decision, it'll be done. Mom, she wants it, but I'm asking Dad, Dad, would you make a commitment to the Lord today that you will have your children in the house of the Lord faithfully? I know occasionally maybe something would come, there's a sore throat, but let me just say this. The swimming pool will go in the afternoon. We'll go down to the park later on that day. Nothing wrong with that. But when it comes to, when it comes to Sunday, when it comes to the weekend, we are going to have our family, our kids, in the house of the Lord and give God every chance He can to invade their life and speak to them. I put that before you, dads. And now I want to talk to those parents You've raised your kids in church. You have followed the Lord. You've been faithful. You took your kids to camp. You brought them to church. They, you brought them to Wednesday night. You took them to VBS. You took them to youth groups. You sent them to activities. You took them bowling with the youth group, and they went. You did all of that stuff, and now your kids are young adults or adults, and you're not seeing them follow your values. They're, they've drifted from the Lord. You've done it right, but you're not seeing the fruit and the evidence in their heart right now. I want to put a promise to you. I want to put a promise to you out of God's Word. Psalm chapter 23. Yes, it's that beloved song. Opens up the Lord is our shepherd. We've all been comforted by that. He makes me to lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside still waters. Yes, God does that. He takes care of us. All of us have quoted that verse when we've said goodbye to a loved one at a funeral. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. We've all clung to that one. But you know that chapter ends, verse number 6, in a verse. Can I share that verse as a promise to parents? You've taken your kids to church. You believed and you prayed for them. But today, right now, maybe one of them is not serving the Lord. Not following all that your heart desires for them it's verse number six surely goodness and your love will follow me i want you to know god's love and god's goodness is going to chase them down 
They make just make decisions, but God's going to knock on their door. And His goodness and His love is going to be relentless. And He's going to remind them. And He's going to speak to their spirit. And He's going to summon their heart. And then that verse ends. And this chapter ends with this statement. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I will dwell. I will dwell. I'd like to point out something to you. Parents, that word dwell in verse number six that's a Hebrew word that Hebrew word is mentioned over a thousand times in the Old Testament but no other verse in the Old Testament is it ever translated dwell only in this verse is it ever translated dwell in every other instance over a thousand times in the Old Testament that Hebrew word translated in our English Bible is the word return verse to you again surely goodness and love will follow after your kids all the days of their life and they will return to the house of the Lord they will return God's going to chase them down God's going to remind them of their love. God's going to point. God's going to so pursue them with His goodness and His love that one day they're just going to say, God, I just can't get away from you. And they are going to return to the house of the Lord all the days of their life. And I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. Heavenly Father, What a privilege it is on this Father's Day to bring fathers before you. Fathers that some were not raised in church, but they're in church today. They didn't have the godly example, but they want to be that for their own children. And I ask you, Lord, that you will help and partner with them to guard their family and to guide their family. And teach us dads to not always be on duty and to enjoy our families. Sometimes we just need to celebrate who they are and where they are in that season of their life. I pray that. I pray that these diligent, hardworking dads that are here, that you will just strengthen them and encourage them. They always feel the pressure to do more and work harder and obtain more. They just want so much for their kids. And Lord... Their kids are your reward. I just pray, God, you'll encourage these dads. Give them strength. May this day remind them of what's really important in life. And for parents whose children are grown, who have drifted, and today are not serving the Lord, that the promise of Psalm 23.6 will be theirs they will see the day in which their children will return to the house of the Lord. Wherever their son or daughter is at, whatever that situation is, whatever has estranged them from church and from the Lord, God, sometimes even the parents can't talk to a a grown kids about spiritual things without creating a wall or division. But the Holy Spirit can. (laughs) God your love and your goodness 
can speak to the secret chambers of their heart when mom and dad can't talk. And I pray, God, your love will trace them, chase them down and let them return to you and return to the house of God. And I pray that and I speak that promise in the hearts of parents today in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Dads, happy Father's Day. Thank you for being with us today. God bless you. Go in the goodness of the Lord.